When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're talking real money. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the neighborhood. Welcome to a little little talking real money neighborhood chat. I'm Don McDonald. Today, we have a very special edition of Talking Real Money as we wander over to the bookcase and we pull out a book. Oh, look, it's yellow and it's lovely. And it's written by a good friend of the program, Who's hiding behind the book? Wait, I'm going to reveal him right away. Hold on right about now. Ladies and gentlemen, from the very popular podcast, Stacking Benjamins, we have, I'm so excited, Joe Saul C.I. Let's hope that works in the editing. <laughs> I have no clue. Joe Saul C.I., my bud from the basement, man. How are you? I am so, so happy to be here. I am so glad you are here finally after myriads of technical difficulties uh, with my brand new Mac Studio, Apple. <laughs> my brand new Mac Studio. Anyway, Joe is with us today because, well, you know, Tom and I are on Stacking Benjamins now and again, and we love visiting the basement and hanging out with Joe and the gang. And uh, we're just really excited because Joe has done something extraordinary. Joe has actually penned a book. <laughs> I did. I and did. dang, you know what? It's really pretty darn good. What's it called? I'll show you again. Stacked, stack, 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 stack. It's like an echo. The book has an echo. And uh, it is. it is all about... Well, you tell us, Joe, what's this book about? What's it for? Well, it is. And by the way, thank you so much for having me on. The reason for the book, frankly, is that uh, I've always wanted to write a book so I could get on Talking Real Money. And now that I have, I can announce my retirement. So that's okay. that's pretty much why, why I wrote the book. That's well, we're it. planning on ending the show with this episode anyway, so <laughs> it's, it's it all worked out. We're all, we're all set. Actually, what's funny, Don, is that I wrote a book. It took me 10 years. And uh, I talk a lot about surrounding yourself with smart people like you and Tom. Um, and uh you know our oh my good and the brain trust at stacking benjamins <laughs> you got you have a pile of really good people there well except for doug that's right except for yeah. doug yeah and sketchy but everybody yeah. else paula pant lempenzo some smart people og but we uh, uh i have a coach who for the last 10 years i've been t i was telling her that i was going to write a book and we got to maybe down the seven year mark where she did what a good coach does and said okay are we writing a book or are we just talking about it because i'm tired of you bringing it up every stinking week that you're going to work on the book and you don't and I, I seriously didn't so i got serious about it i wrote the book 
and I gave it to an alpha reader. And I think everybody needs these alpha people in their corner. For me, it's my spouse, Cheryl. I hand Cheryl the book and Cheryl had it done, I think for like 18 minutes before she said, this sucks. Like it was, it was Don't so you horrible. love the blunt honesty of your spouse? <laughs> I do. I truly, truly do. And I think that's why we get along. I love, you know, I love the Gordon Ramsay uh, coaches, the, the Simon Cowles that say exactly what everybody's thinking. But with Gordon Ramsay is an example for people that don't know him. Big chef on TV works with these restaurateurs that are failing. But, you know, at the end of the show, he loves them. He wants them to succeed, but he gives them the tough love. And so she mm-hmm. gave me very tough love. And you know what the tough love was, Don? It was that the it was that the advice in the book was good. Directionally, it was fine. It was how to build a foundation about your money. But it was written much more like a Dave Ramsey or Susie Orman. I am the smartest guy in the universe when it comes to money. And here are the tips from on high. And as you know, I'm much more about surround sound. I think we've got to make these conversations lighter. We got to make them more fun. And this book wasn't fun. It wasn't. So light. what she said is it wasn't you. Basically. That's exactly what she said. Yes. Yeah. It did. It wasn't your voice because this is definitely. I've read the book. This is the voice of Joe Saul Sehi, and of course, there's <laughs> Emily, a little Emily in there too. Yes. Emily. Yeah, and Emily, by the way, talk about surrounding yourself with smart people. I know me and I knew I wouldn't get this project done by myself. It took so long the first time. And I'm surrounded by all these great people and these great writers. And Emily has a wonderful book called The Five Years Before You Retire. She has another book about ending financial stress. But the thing I know because I get to talk to her behind the scenes sometimes, she and I laugh our heads off about with these dad jokes and these just horrible puns and stuff. And so I called her up and I said, hey, I want to make kind of a campy, but very legitimately good book about money management. And I want it to be foundational. And we actually took a very campy thing that kids use, the Cub Scout Wolf Guide, where you get, they're not chapters down there, achievements. And the easy achievements are at the beginning of Cub Scouts. Oh, that's why we got the badges at the end of the chapters. <laughs> we do, yes. Oh, so I can print those out and take them down to the shop and have them embroidered and put them on my little, my sack or something. Yes. And as part of getting your achievement, as you know, it's not just about what you know, which we do a good job of, I think, teaching you what you need to know, but you have to check some boxes to show proficiency before there's the place for your mom to sign it to get the badge. So you have to, you, you, cause it's not about what you know. It's always about what you do, right? Can it's I have my wife sign it? Do. My mom's a long way away. <laughs> She's, yeah. Well, I won't tell if you don't tell. So, all right. All right. I just want to pass. I just want to be, I want to be successful. <laughs> so the so easy... what, what do you cover in here though? I mean, what yeah. is, what it's, it's apparently about, because it says that it's about, that it's really serious. And it's about money management. <laughs> yes. So what's super, the super money? Serious. What's the money management stuff that people are going to get out of this? Yeah, it, the book is is broken into four parts, and I think this is a great way to think about your money because you know people look at crypto and NFTs and what's hot and all that stuff. You're not going to find this in here. Don't get me wrong. If you're interested in crypto and NFTs, when you finish the book, you'll know where to put it. But it starts off with stacking your first Benjamin, right? Which means 
beginning with the end in mind by using a much better goal setting technique than most people use, figuring out how your your budget works, getting your credit score in case you're going to need it. Our goal is to never need credit, but if we do, to clean up whatever messes you have out there, get your debt managed, get a good debt strategy. So stacking your first Benjamins, the first part. Second part then is stacking Benjamins, and it is about investing in the basics of how to invest. Then the third is protecting your Benjamins, which most investors, as you know, Don, they don't want to talk about that. They don't want to talk about insurance. They don't want to talk about risk management. But I think that's so important because if you don't have a good risk management strategy, it can all go south in a hurry. And then the last section, which is really for the big time money nerds, the last section is stacking Benjamins on top of your Benjamins. And that piece is is how to get rich quicker, number one, mm-hmm. written with a very sexy title on purpose, how to hire advisors that won't bleed you dry, how to, how to really get technical about tweaking your investments. You know, we talk a lot about fees, 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 fees. And don't get me wrong, fee fighting is super important. Making sure that you don't overpay for investments is a big part of winning, but equally as big is knowing how to diversify your investments better. And there's this thing called the efficient frontier. And I hate mm-hmm. that name because it makes it sound so hard, makes it sound so hard. People go, oh, I don't have time for that. You know what? The efficient frontier is not all that difficult. And so we kind of dive into some of that nerdy stuff. Well, tell us the efficient frontier nerdy stuff for those who are sitting around going, what in the heck is he talking about? And it sounds confusing. <laughs> it does sound confusing. So if you've ever done one of those things at your job that say, hey, if you're this age and and you're looking at, at getting this type of return on your money and you want the least amount of risk, diversify this way. Okay. So. I actually tell this kind of, well, it is made up. It's a made up story of what I think Dr. Harry Markowitz was doing when he created this efficient frontier that won the Nobel Prize. And that, by the way, so many things are built on, as you know, Don, target date funds built on the efficient frontier, right? Uh, A lot of the indexing that happened later on came from Dr. Markowitz's work early on. Many of the people that run some of the biggest and and most attractive fund companies like dimensional funds, those guys are all guys that built- we love. Yeah, and they built what they built on 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 Markowitz. So so here's what I thought. This is this is Joe's idea of how this happened. Probably not true. It's a theory, could be a bad one, but this is what happened. Hey, so Mar- make stuff up. You're a writer. Yeah. So Markowitz realizes he's got some money in cash and he's got some money in in small company stocks. And he realized that he can plot these on like the old axes, like you did in third and fourth grade. You can plot them with, with the, with on, on one hand going south to north, you can have zero return and then high returns up at the top. And then left to right, you'll have very little risk out to very high risk. So up and right equals very high risk, very high return low and and left is very low risk very low return and he plots cash he plots cash in the lower left almost mm-hmm. no return but almost no risk and then he plots small companies up at the top up and right and he goes man i wonder what what we do with large companies with international with all these things so now he's getting excited so he goes over and pours himself a glass of wine puts on some music like any self-respecting money nerd would And he puts large company stocks and that dot is kind of between the two. And then he realizes that bonds are a little closer to no return, but also a lot less risk. 
And then he gets really crazy because he finishes the first glass of wine. You know how the after the first glass, the music sounds a little better. Things seem a little bit more fun. Well, now he's rocking and rolling. So he goes, what if I do 50% stocks, 50% bonds? And he plots that. Then he's like, what about if we throw international stocks and U.S. stocks in with the third bonds? And he starts filling up this thing with dots. And what he notices after he accidentally finishes the bottle of wine is that he has this imaginary line where there is no dots north and no dots left of this imaginary line. It kind of makes this arc, right, along this zero return to high return and no risk to high risk. And is what it that possible, means, though, that the arc was because he was a little tipsy and he meant to draw a straight line? Well, I think it's I think it shook a little bit because okay. he was tipsy. Yes. It could right. have been straighter, but I mean after Chardonnay, hey. like who knows? Yes. So uh so this is what this means for all of us, because there is this imaginary line where there are no dots north and no dots left. And people are listening, so they're going, What the hell does that mean, Joe? Here's what it means. You can take wherever you're at right now and you can plot it based on your time frame, your mm-hmm. tax bracket, and you can place a dot on how you're investing today. And there's two easy moves you can make, neither of which are the right one. And then there's a third one that's the right one. You can move that dot up where there are no dots anymore. And what that means is you can take no more risk than you're taking today in your portfolio and historically reconfigure your asset classes so that you get a higher return and no more risk. Now, it's based on historical results, which Mm -hmm. means the future does not equal the past, but it equals it enough, as you know, Don, that we're going to do much better if we move it toward that line. The other thing we can do is if you're not sleeping that well at night, right? You feel like you're taking too much risk. We can keep the same return and just move left. Mm -hmm. And if we move left, we get the same return we're getting today, but a hell of a lot less bumpy ride than we got. And by the way, neither one of those are the right move. The right move obviously is what return do you need to reach your goal? Find that point and then look at what those investments are. So there's some places, there's a place called Portfolio Visualizer, which is free. You can go and play around with that and you can find that at at work. You'll see all of these charts. If you need an 8% return, 10% return, whatever it is, they'll give you some simple ones. Most of the asset management companies have it. The big problem is we call it Efficient Frontier, which makes it sound just absolutely horrible. Absolutely. Yeah, and and, and one of the more interesting observations that came from that that work by Markowitz et al. uh, was this is a very simple discovery that you think bonds, all bonds are pretty much created equal, and that the longer the maturity, when you go out to 20- and 30-year bonds, that additional yield is – has comparable risk along that curve, and that's not the case. When you get out to the very long maturities of bonds, the risk is substantially higher for little yeah. or no additional return. That's what Joe's talking about. You got to you got to find that sweet spot in there, and that's what the efficient frontier really is. It's a sweet spot. Well, and that's that is so interesting that you say that because this idea of diminishing returns, right? We can take more and more and more risk, and we're not going to get the payoff for it anymore. Really, comes from this research. I mean, it, it, if it didn't come from it originally, it proved it. That you know what, going all small cap with your investments versus a mix of small, international, and large ain't worth the risk. Right? Like, just you're going to get a hell of a lot more bounce, and you're going to get maybe marginal returns over twenty years. And so. Th- this book is is gonna gonna cut through a lot of that, the the confusion and, and lay it out more simply. 
Well, that's my goal. You know, like you, Don, I've been I've been interviewing people for a long time. We're on episode, I think, twelve hundred of Stacking Benjamins, and so I get to a thousand. We're so (laughs) I get to talk to so many people and and have so many discussions. And what I realize is that the number of on ramps that are fun and relaxed and campy while still being competent. Uh, are very, and don't get me wrong. There's a lot of competent books out there. There's a ton of competent videos, books, podcasts, but when it comes to ones that are an on-ramp guide, there's, there's, there's not that many. And, and and, and I feel like we're leaving too many people behind. Be honest with me from all the interviews. Cause you see, we're very insular here at talking real money. We let like four people on. That's it. You know, we got like, we got like the guy who wrote trillions. We got him. We got, uh, Paul Merriman. Because he's only he's a good friend, so we let him on. Uh, and uh, and we have, I uh, think you. I can't even think of a fourth one right now. I'm sure we've done someone else, but with with your experience with all of these guests, <laughs> you said some of these books are good. Mm, how, uh, be blunt. I don't. Nate, you don't have to name names, but how many are just totally full of it? You know, uh, be we, honest. Okay, so of the ones that make the show. Uh, I'm going to say none now. Oh, okay. All right. Well, because here's the deal, Don, and uh, we get 70 people a week that try to get on our show, 70. Wow. And yeah, and we have room for one because one we're going to reach out for and one's going to be somebody like you that we know in the community. So for our roundtables on Friday, it's always going to be somebody we've already curated and we know and they're not going to do something bad. The other one, we're reaching out to them, right? So we know them. And of those 70, my producer, Karen Repine, and I, we're going to make sure we I do love a good Karen. job. She's awesome. But I'll tell She's you, er, terrific. to answer your question, though, I've had two interviews where they aired, but I had to chop the hell out of them. And they were way early on. And I learned some lessons. One was a guy, and this was great. The football season was getting ready to start. And this guy compared finance with football. And he talked about how you're the quarterback of your team and how your small company stocks are like the receivers where if they catch it long, it's great, but they're going to drop a bunch of passes. So I thought this was great. Well, the the guy comes on and he just, God bless him. He just doesn't know how to tell a story, Don. So I'm like, okay, so tell me, we got the football season come up. This is great. This is timely. It's going to be really fun. Tell me about how it's like a football team. He goes, well, you know, because your quarterback is kind of like you and you've got the football. And I go, okay, so what do you do with the football? What do I do with my football now? Yes. Coach? Well, you know, you, well, you, know, you take it and you hand it off. Okay, who do you hand it off to? Well, you hand off to a running back. Okay, so what's the analogy with the running back? Oh, the running back is 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 like your ground game, which means your daily budget. And it, it was always one sentence. He would give me one sentence, and I had to pull this story out of this guy. Oh my! It was such a fun idea for a book, yeah, and he was just. And then, of course, I had the guy on, and this is early. This is an early mistake a lot of podcasters make. He's a he's a tax expert. And, and I said, so, and we'll, we'll pretend his name's Don just because you're sitting here. 
I, sure, I, I'll be your guest. I go, I go. So, Don, tell me about tell me about uh, a tax strategy in the book that can clearly change people's game, that can make things better. He goes, he goes. Well, you know, you got to have a great tax strategy because of the way that the the book says that it is. Like, you have to have a great tax strategy. Period. If you don't have a great tax strategy, it's going to be horrible. And I go, okay, well, what is a great tax strategy? He goes, well, you know, in chapter two of the book, I go through this wonderful tax strategy, which is going to change your life. It's going to change your game and you definitely should check it out. And I go, okay, what is that tax strategy? He goes, well, you know, we followed up in chapter three with an even deeper dive into the tax strategy that changes everything. And you need to make this, all he's doing is selling the book. All mm-hmm. do, he will not, I literally, in that interview, I had to, uh, I had to hit pause and I had to say, this is not going to air. If you give me nothing, if you continually, if you continue to just sell your book, number one, nobody's going to buy it. I mean, nobody's going to buy it. Right. I, right. I, I hate they have no stuff. idea what it's about, except some well, brilliant strategy. Well, and who wants an infomercial? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, who, who wants, who wants to listen to an infomercial? So anyway, he was, a he was, he was not good. On the other hand, when we talked to Susie Orman, it was fun. It was? It actually was. Was it? Was it? All, all I wanted from Susie was to see her peacock feathers come up. I'm super Uh-oh. rich okay. and um, I'm, I'm very awesome. And, and it was actually a way better conversation than I thought it was going to be. I, uh, I enjoyed talking to Susie. I've never talked to her, but I did have Chuck Jaffe on one time from uh, the Boston Globe. <laughs> I love and his, Chuck. Uh, I love Chuck. And Chuck. Chuck's whole thing was, I, I don't know how Susie came up, but throughout the podcast, he would just occasionally blurt out, I hate Susie Orman. <laughs> I hate Susie Orman. So I've used that for years as just a soundbite. I hate Susie Orman. <laughs> that is so Chuck. That's so uh-huh. Chuck. Uh, so the book, though. There's no, you're not, you're not, there's one of the things I hate about investing books. I'm going to preface this with, uh, with, with my little thing. I hate investing books that tell you, cause you said how to make more money. Yes. Is there, are there really though, everybody wants that. They want a way to, a magical way to make more money with less risk. I don't want to take any risk, but Don, can you tell me how I can get 7% like I used to get on my bonds? You know, do, do you have any of that stuff in there? Uh, we do, but the problem is, is it ain't magic. And let me give people a few. So this is not an infomercial. <laughs> why, why, don't I, why don't I just give you some of these? Because these are, these are some of the keys. Number one, the way to make more money is to actually make more money. You, study after study shows. Oh, wow. That was so profound. <laughs> <laughs> Studies show, and we go over this, we go over how this works because I think it's so important, Don. Your boss wants to give you a raise and there's so many side hustle opportunities here. Now, I do this in the book and I'm going to caution everybody, do not go make more money until you do the lockdown, meaning get your budget in order. Understand that the goal here is to separate your expenses from your income. I lived this fallacy for a long time where I thought that if I just made more money, my problems would be solved. It isn't. If you don't have a a good system 
to lock down your expenses and then make more money so you can pay down your debt, build your emergency fund, get money invested, nothing changes. You're going to be a disaster with 250,000 like you were with 100,000 like you were with 30,000. More money does not solve the problem. But negotiating that rate, especially this year, Don, I mean, think about this. That consumer price index number that came out, 7.5%, if, if you don't get a seven and a half percent raise this year, you are falling behind. You're getting you, a pay cut. You have to get a raise this year. But when you get that raise and you've separated the budget out from what you make, you need to automate. You had the the key to success is not don't get me wrong, you can be Warren Buffett and be a guru with your investments. Even way before that, the way to get to riches is to automate your money. Make it go without you having to think about it. Do not write checks. Do not put money. Do, so you're do talking not, about bills, not only not only investing automated, but bill paying automated, all of the automated stuff, just well, to make well, sure it's well, all done. Well, I'll tell you what I like about bill pay. Cheryl and I have a weekly meeting where we actually look at it. We do have it automated, but we look at it every week because when things are automated and Netflix goes up or Amazon Prime goes up or whatever it is, if it's automated, they will just automatically charge you more. So Cheryl and I have a weekly meeting. It's only 20 minutes long because it's got to be fun. If it's not fun, you won't keep doing it. It's always over pancakes or wine, depending on the time of day we do it, to keep it fun. And we have a timer. At the end of 20 minutes, we have a timer so that we're done. And all we do, we look at how we spent money the week before, and then we talk about how we're going to spend money next week. Twice a year, we look at our asset allocation. We look at our investment strategy. And we, 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 we make sure that we're what's called rebalanced. That's a bigger topic that, that mm-hmm. we probably don't need to get into today. But just twice a year, we look at our investments. But I'll tell you what happens. Because that meeting's fun, we have those bigger, deeper conversations we need to have the rest of the week. And those are natural. Those are organic because we're just driving somewhere. And because we have that meeting, we now have these deeper talks later. But it's, it's got to be around this fun idea. So while to answer your question specifically, I do like automating the bills. You still have to look at the bills every week to make sure that they're not pulling a fast one on you. Yeah. That's a good, that's good advice in the book though. Um, uh, and I, I know this comes up, but what about all of the, the occasional hot things that occur? Uh, particularly yeah. on the on the interweb these days, uh, where you've got the 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 hot redditors and the meme stocks and crypto, crypto NFTs. What do people do with all that? All that noise. Here's here's the cool thing, is that if you begin in the chapter one of your life, right? If 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 you start your chapter not with what's the best investment, you start your own book. But with what are my goals, you then are going to be attracted to investments that meet the goal. And it gets rid of this fallacy that some investments are good and some are bad. And don't get me wrong, there are good and bad investments. But the thing, Don, I guess that I'm trying to say is it's okay for an investment to be good and not be for you. It might not fit. So the first thing to do is to find your fit. And the way to do that is to say, okay, what is my, I grew up in Southwest Michigan, which is farm country. And so I use a lot of crop analogies. So you plant corn in the spring and you harvest it in the fall because it works. And centuries and centuries of farmers have proven that it works. You don't 
plant corn in the middle of winter and pull it out three weeks later, right? So the first thing I want to look at, every investment out there is like a crop. And I need to figure out which crop fits my growing season. And then I plant that crop. And by the way, I don't go pull it out early. I don't go mess with it halfway through the growing season because it's gonna it's gonna gonna kill the kill the corn or whatever it might be. So I like beginning with what's my growing season. Look at which investments historically have met that, which seeds I need to plant, and then plant those seeds and keep the garden weeded. I mean, that is that is the key to success. I'm sorry. I keep when you when you're give, using this analogy, I, I keep thinking Chauncey Gardner in being there. <laughs> Did you ever see being there? I love that. I love <laughs> you, you know, my favorite line from that movie is when he just says, I like to watch. And for for people that haven't seen the movie, uh, they think he's being kinky, and it turns out that he's being very straightforward, far more straightforward than anybody. But 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 he has these little moments of brilliance when he's not. He's not. He's of below average intelligence, but everything has a season in the garden, (laughs) and that's what Joe Salci High's next book is. Everything has a season in the money garden. It does. Uh, okay, does. so uh, the book. I want to let Joe. He has he has a you had a book tour, right? You're still on it. I do. Yes, forty cities. Come hang out with a bunch of like minded people. Where how do you people are. find out about your book tour, Joe? Stacking Benjamin. Thank you, Don. Stackingbenjamins dot com slash stacked. They're all free, and uh, we've we have some great partnerships with. Uh, bookstores and libraries, but in a lot of towns, we're at microbreweries, so you can have a beer and chat money nerds. That's stuff. the Harry Markowitz method of book touring. <laughs> Get a by drink. The way, by the way, Dr. Markowitz, I apologize. I'm I'm fairly certain in real life he wasn't getting loaded, but it sure makes it more fun to think about the efficient front. I love Harry. I loved his wisdom. He was so smart. He would. I love my this favorite thing I think he ever said was investing is boring. It should be like watching paint dry or grass grow. If you want excitement, don't go to your Merrill Lynch office. Go to the casino. That's paraphrasing. Well, that's fantastic. I, th- I got to tell you, Don, I, I I think he's still alive. Is he? I think he's. I, I think have he's no idea. Yeah, I think he is too because he's always doing stuff with Mark Ebner at Index Funds Advisors. So yeah, he must still be out yeah, there kicking he's, somewhere. He, I I know he he's was. He's got to be ninety something. He's got to be because when I heard he was still alive, I was I was surprised yeah. because he did this work in the fifties, I think. Yeah. But he, um, uh, I know he's an advisor for or was an advisor for Acorns. Um, oh, was he, he was on, on their advisory yeah, staff? Their well, ladies and gentlemen, my friend Joe Saul Cihai wrote this lovely, lovely book that is rising up out of the bottom of your screen and heading off through the top of your screen without any help from me, magically. And I'll figure out a way to do the special effect or something. Uh, and uh, it is a really help. Oh, Joe, wait, before you go, I heard cool stuff. You The book, like it's gotten some notice. Yeah, I'm I'm really thrilled with uh, that. Thank you for bringing that up because I'm thrilled with the reception that it's it's gotten. Uh, Forbes uh, just published a list of the top five personal finance books to read in 2022. Mm-hmm. I saw that, and obviously, like a lot of people, I clicked on it because uh, hey, that's cool. We were number one. We were number I one. I bet that was on- a very pleasant surprise. 
That was so nice. I, I was just, I was so flattered. And then the second uh, was a group called Axiom that does a lot of uh, business uh, related stuff, B2B stuff, has uh, has a uh, competition every year where they award gold, silver, and bronze to books in 15 different categories, business categories, but they have a personal finance category and we took gold in that this last week as well. Well, congrats on both. And uh, take it from Joe. Uh, about this whole stacking Benjamins thing, you got to do the work. You got to do the work. He, he and he's a great example of it. You cannot stack your Benjamins by printing them in your basement like he did. <laughs> and the lesson he learned was if you print them too big, they won't take them. Yeah, they won't take the one on my wall. No. I, I took that down <laughs> he, he to tried my to bank. T- and- <laughs> he thought bigger must be better. <laughs> well, that's in, yeah. <laughs> in the case of money, size does not matter. Yes, we're and just people leaving are, it there. If people are only listening to us, I have a huge $100 bill on my wall. Yeah. Oh, thank you for the podcast audience. I always forget about them when I'm doing a video. I go, of course they can see it. Uh, by the way, if you're listening to us, you can also go to uh, the Talking Real Money YouTube channel and watch this whole thing. So if you have been, you know, you're sitting around listening to Snacking Benjamins going, I wonder what that Joe Saul High guy looks like. Well, now you can find out. And Face then you for radio. Go, Don McDonald, definitely face for radio. (laughs) Joe, thanks so much. Go tour your book, meet a lot of cool people, do some cool podcasts, and um, thanks so much for being a part of this one and for being a good friend of the show. We really appreciate you. Well, thanks, man. As you know, I love you and Tom so much, and you guys do such great work, and and I just I feel a lot of gratitude right now. So thank you, brother. Well, you're the best, man. Joe Saul Cihai, his book. Stacked. Get Check it out. And by the way, just go to stackingbenjamins.com for, that's it, right? Stackingbenjamins.com. Yeah, it's stackingbenjamins.com slash stacked if you want more on the tour. Yeah. Or, but if you just want more on the Joe. Yes, on the Joe. Joe and the show. Go to the podcasty thing. All right. Thank you all. Take care of yourselves. I'm Don hanging out with Joe Saul Cihai. And what we do for almost all of our life is sit around talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial product or security. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. And to keep the lawyers happy.